Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. I'm Jose Palomino, your host as always. And our guest today is Jim Rich, Chief Revenue Officer for Technology Leader VBRIC. And Jim is going to talk about changes in the modern sales environment, especially in light of the last couple of years and what's happened there. And also how culture shifts are taking place in organizations of all size, uh, of all sizes, and especially how uh, his company helps address that with a unique technology that really takes into account the need for senior leadership to communicate what's going on to their troops and the impact that has on their people. So listen closely as we join up with Jim Rich right now. Well, welcome Jim Rich to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, nice to be here. So Jim, uh, you know I've known you for a long while and when it comes to really high-end and uh, complex uh, sales excellence, I always think of you. So one of the things I like Thank maybe you. for you to tell our audience is just you know what you're current what you're currently doing and who you do it for. Sure. So I'm Jim Rich, as you said. I'm the chief revenue officer for a company called Vbrick Systems, and we focus on delivering high-quality video at scale for large enterprise companies. Well, high quality video. So we're all like we're on this call and we've all been zooming lately and so on. So it seems like, um, you know, there were changes happening in the marketplace already in the last couple of years, like sped up those changes. So I think for the first half of this interview, and I think uh, just to uh, cue in our audience on this, I really want to focus on what's what's changing and what do you see evolving in the sales environment? Like I'm talking about B2B corporate selling. What's different today? What differences do you think will stick around versus, okay, once we're past the pandemic, everybody goes back to, we're doing lunches with clients or what do you see happening? Yeah. So I think I'd break it into a couple of different areas. One is, um, you know, building a sales culture nowadays with the pandemic and everybody being remote is really challenging. Um, you know, you don't have those, those, like you said, going out to lunch with your team, the socialization that happens with all of that and all of the kind of spontaneous interactions that happen in the office that really drive and build culture. You just don't have that anymore. So every single conversation you have has to be intentional, right? You either have to schedule the, the call, the video call, or you have to schedule an audio call or whatever, but it's all intentional things. There's not that, as they call it, the water cooler discussions that happen anymore. And I think that's really impacting the ability to drive culture and it's making it necessary for companies to really focus on how are they going to build that culture now in this new world, right? And so that's done a lot through frequent collaboration or frequent um, discussions, town halls, um, CEO town halls, executive town halls, and making sure that people feel connected to their executives, even though they're not seeing them on a day-to-day basis walking the halls. So that's right. one now, thing. And then from a, from a sales point of view, let's, you know, let's assume whatever, you know, what you're describing is happening all over the world, right? So every organization now is 
has to some large degree has moved a big part of their workforce remotely. So if I'm carrying a bag, so to speak, selling for your company, any company, whatever, the likelihood is the person I want to talk to isn't in the office. Correct. They're, they're, who knows where they are and how. To, so that intentionality, how does that change selling? Well, it's a similar thing, right? So no longer can you go to meet with your customer and have five customer meetings in a day, right? You have to schedule all of those individual meetings as video calls. And we all know a lot gets said outside of the meetings as you're walking in, as you're walking out, you're bumping into somebody in the hall. And so much more happens in those face-to-face meetings that are so valuable, right? Even just the small talk of, hey, what did you do this weekend? All that. Mostly, most of that does not happen on video calls because it's pretty much direct to the point. Here's our meeting. Let's go and let's get to it. And there's not that ability to kind of build those that rapport with customers like there is when you're face-to-face. And that's a big challenge. That's, that's really challenging for a lot of salespeople, I think. So let's say take, you know, you know, prototypical 20 year sales veterans been selling to companies for a long time. As you said, they're one of the things they probably even pride themselves in is their ability to warm up to a customer, build rapport. I don't mean just glad handing, but like genuine human connection. And now we're on a Zoom call, the six faces on the on in boxes, right? We're all like seeing each other in a box. We when we see people in real life, it's like, wow, you're not in a box. Right. Uh, you have legs. Oh my god. You have legs. <laughs> Hey, my rule is as long as you have pants, you're okay. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing, right? So now, how how do you build rapport and human connection when everything has moved to a speed of chop, 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 let's have the call. I, I got 30 minutes because I'm going to jump on another Zoom in 30 minutes, right? So how, what do you see people, people you see do that well, what are they doing differently? Well, I think that, you know, the, the obvious focus area where customers want to take you is like you said, those meetings with five or six people, right? Which are very non um, engaging at all. And they're just very to the point direct. I think the good salespeople are the ones that can carve out, even if it's just a 15 minute call with an executive or with somebody that um, their champion or something, somebody that they're selling to and can have that just intentional, non-specific discussion and dialogue around you know, what's going on in their account and, and doing discovery on an individual basis. I think that's the most important thing is to, to break that call from five, with five people in it down to individual calls so you can build that rapport and have those conversations that are maybe not directly related to, this, to the piece of business that you're working on. So that's really interesting because, you know, there is a school of thought that says, wow, I can get five or six decision makers on a call. The people I need to talk to is very efficient. You know, hey, I'm, I'm, I haven't even gotten my second cup of coffee and I already had a meeting with six people. But, but you're pointing out, though, that yes, but you miss out on something very important that needs to happen. I guess yeah, we all be- know. Yeah, we all know that if, you, if you're in a room with six people, you're going to be much more guarded in terms of what you're willing to share with somebody, right? So you just know those are your colleagues. You probably may want to share something, but you say, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to share that because you know these colleagues may find offense to it or whatever. Where when you can break it down into a one-on-one meeting or a one-on-one conversation, that openness happens a lot more. And if you're a good salesperson, you can drive that openness by asking really good, pointed questions that can get to some and uncover some things that are really going on in the organization, not just what they want you to think is going on in the organization. Right. And, and part of that may be, they might tell you candidly, well, you know, Frank over here is uh, he's a problem uh, yeah. for, 
for doing these kind of innovations that you're suggesting. So I don't know. We got to fit. And then, then now you're game planning with him about maybe how to approach Frank with something that's a win-win for Frank. That's right. Absolutely. So that's, that's really interesting. Now, do you see a, a change in people's receptivity to receiving people in person now more? Is that, is that picking up speed or is that still like, you know, spotty? Yeah. I think we've all built the habit now of not seeing people in person. So it's kind of like it hasn't really picked up. In fact, I just sent an email today asking to meet somebody in person for, you know, drinks and dinner. Um, and I'm not sure how he's going to receive that, but I think it's, I think people are starting to become open to it. But remember that the, the um, larger corporations and enterprises made it not okay for you to meet with uh, partners or vendors or even internal. So as that loosens, then I think people will do it more because I think, look, I think the customers miss it too, right? That there's, there's a lot of value that they get from meeting with salespeople. Again, the same reason that we get value meeting with our customers, it's the same thing that all of that side conversation that happens outside of a specific intentional meeting is really valuable for everybody. So I, do, I don't think it's hit full stride yet, but it will. Right. And it's interesting you mentioned that because we often think about, certainly from a sales mindset, we think about, okay, I need to have these set of meetings. I need to find out this in discovery. I need to find out what the trigger points are and et cetera. All that, that's good selling. Got it. But you made a, a very good point that oftentimes your customer welcomes a good sales professional who can get give them insight on the industry. Yes. Because they know you're out there. You're talking to, yeah, they're not asking you what their competitors do. You know, they know you can't tell them that, but they get a sense of what's going on. So if you're like in financial services, well, you know, what are other banks? I don't need to know by name, but what are they doing in this area or something like right. that? So there's a lot of value exchange that goes both ways if you could just connect like a human being. That's that's absolutely right. Right. So and if just, you're a good salesperson. And if you're a good salesperson. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. They'll they'll meet with, if you're a good salesperson and you do bring that value outside of just being able to you know sell your specific widget, you do bring that value. That's what separates the the great salespeople from the good ones. Well, so what what do you see in you know looking out uh, you know this year and into next year, right? Let's assume we get past the you know, we really truly past the pandemic as it'll probably always be around as some health concern like the flu or cold, but maybe not what it's been. Um, now you have a secondary challenge, which is, are people going back to the office? Like, so, you know, so I like, I'm a salesperson. I like to meet people in person, but if they're not in the office, I can't meet them in person that easily. Right. So do you see a trend towards people to offices in your client base, which are some very large companies? Are they bringing people back in in significant numbers? Or are they having, you know, you read about that the roadblock is some of the younger workers don't want to go back. Mm-hmm. They, um, here's my take on this whole thing, right? I, I think that, yes, the enterprise companies are all inviting their, their employees back, but it's very much, you know, it's, it's not mandated in a lot of companies. Some, some are, but I think even the younger workforce, and I think overall everybody, as soon as they do get back in the office, they will realize what they've missed. That's, I believe that strongly. And I was telling you earlier, the, uh, a woman in my office just, where my company just went back to the office and had a great day because the CEO was there, the COO was there, and she could have those kind of interactions that she would never have had sitting at home. And so I think that people don't realize how much they miss that social interaction and how much more productive they are. Actually, you know, everybody says, oh, I'm so much more productive because I don't have to commute and I don't have to do all that. And I got everything set up at home. But 
again, back to the intentional conversations that, you know, you, you have all these interactions that happen that get stuff done and move forward faster just because you bump into somebody and you remember, hey, by the way, I need to ask you this. And then it gets done and it's done and over as opposed to, can we schedule some time for you to, you know, walk me through this and then they can't meet and then they cancel. And then you just added a week to something that could have happened in, in an hour. So um, I think that people will realize once they do start getting back to the office, how valuable it is to be there. And I think just as quickly as everybody went out of the office, I think people will come back, maybe not full time. Um, I think this hybrid work is, is probably a reality. I think people will take Mondays and Fridays to work from home um, because they don't have to deal with the commute, which is explainable. Um, but I think they will really start to go back to the office, not because their employer is telling them to, but because they know they're more productive. And, and you know what's interesting about that? Because you described a, a very specific thing, which, you know, which I'm a big believer in, which is that creative spark. The, the possibility for a new idea to take birth and, and happen. It's very hard to socialize a new idea with somebody that you have to schedule two weeks in advance to have a five-minute conversation. By the time you get to the conversation, you almost feel a little like, boy, I really cut into this guy's schedule. I don't know. He's busy. I don't, I don't want to bother him with this idea. It's a notional idea. But in the real world, if you were in the office, you might just say, hey, you know, I was thinking at lunch. And it might be as casual as that. And they might listen to you for five minutes in the hallway. And now it becomes a thing. So innovation doesn't happen on a schedule. I know that people would say you can teach innovate, and there's some element of that's true. You can iterate to some level of innovation, but some of the great ideas come, you know, you're brushing your teeth, you're falling asleep and whatever. And not that you're going to do that at work, but just saying. <laughs> not for very long. Not, not for very long. Right. But, but, you know, so I think you do miss that. And I can see the productivity side being, certain roles, certain jobs that are just, you know, you just, I don't know if, if my That's job, a good point. Yes, if my role, job is sure. processing invoices on a computer screen, eight hours a day, it doesn't matter where that computer is. Right. But in sales and business development and marketing, that needs more things that might spark it that we can't even predict where that's going to come from. Right. Now, 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 Jim, I want to just ask you a little bit, because I know a bit about the work your, your business does, your company does, uh, which is some of these larger organizations where people are everywhere, right? And maybe not all in offices and so on, um, really need to hear from leadership, especially transitioning. And we're still in the middle of some very difficult times economically and so on. So tell us a little bit about what, what Vbrick does, because I think it's fascinating what it does. And, and, it, and it really, a lot of people think of video, oh, that's like Zoom, or, you know, what's the big deal? But there is a big deal here, and, and I just want to hear a little bit more about it. Sure. So at its core, Vbrick is an enterprise video platform. So what does that mean? There are different components to successfully running video within an enterprise, right? You've got, obviously, the live streaming, which is the CEO town hall for tens of thousands of people. Um, maybe an executive giving their team a quick update for, again, tens and thousands of people. Um, and then you've got the transcription of that, right? Take that video, the spoken word, turn that into a, um, you know, transcribe it, translate it into multiple different languages and then store it. And then the video library that we have as well stores those videos so that you as Jose could go in and say, show me any video where we talked about General Electric. Right. And you can go right to that point in that video where General Electric was talked about. So you can you know, get that information and really unlock the power of video. And that's what we're all about. Now, the last piece of that is obviously distribution. Right. Video is very fat on the network. It takes up a lot of bandwidth. 
And simple math would say if it takes, let's say, four meg stream for every video um, uh, stream that happens, you get 10,000 people on that, you do the math on that, that will choke your network. And so one of the key things that we do that we've done for 20 plus years is optimize the delivery of video on an enterprise network through what we call our DME, which is our distributed media engine, which basically takes one stream in and has people connect to that. So you can just maximize the, um, the bandwidth that you have on your existing corporate network. My belief is as, as everybody goes back, like I said, they will start to go back in droves and they will take with them the same video habits that they've had in the past, right? People will not probably gather into a large conference room in a town hall for a town hall. They'll still do it right from their desk. So now all of a sudden you've got 10,000 people at their desk streaming video on your corporate network. It's a big challenge. And so we, we really focus on that um, and do that for some of the world's largest organizations. Wow. And so, so, so that, what's interesting about that is just the idea of like the town hall, right? So we hear that in political seasons, everybody has a town hall, a very scripted kind of event with maybe a hundred of your closest friends. there asking supposedly tough questions, right? To the politicians. And we get that, but in the corporate sense, um, you know, in terms of like culture and how culture is changing. And again, we talk about millennials coming in and Gen Zers coming into business. So do you see, uh, and, and, and this is probably true at any size company, but I'm curious, in, in large corporations, do you see larger companies wanting to do more of that kind of communication? They have uh, to. Yeah, they really have to. So so several of our customers. So, you know, this notion of quarterly town halls, and I wrote a blog on it, is just kind of silly, right? A quarterly town hall. Think about what happens in an enterprise in 90 days. It's, it's massive. There's so much that happens. It's just not enough. The reason... I think most CEOs and, and executives have quarterly town halls is because it's just so hard to do the town hall. The IT has to be involved. They have to test the network. They have to do all this other stuff. And the infrastructure there that they have is not, su- is not sufficient to foster more frequent town halls, right? And so several of our customers used to go from quarterly town halls, and now they go to weekly town halls, where the CEO will give 15, 20 minutes just and become a real person to the organization. So it's not that, you know, hour and a half scripted thing and whatever that they give and it's everybody falls asleep. It's really a real non-professionally created video. It's just kind of like you and I talking and it, and it brings out the, uh, the, 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 tr- the true side of the CEO and people feel connected to that. So, yeah, I think that, you know, with a platform like Vbrick where you can quickly and easily set up and schedule a town hall for tens of thousands of people, make it much easier for, for these CEOs to do those more frequent town halls, which I think leads to much more employee engagement, which therefore leads to a reduction in attrition, which has been shown. Wow. So yeah, so employee engagement, uh, redu- reducing attrition in these days where it's like, it's really hard to find the talent you want because there's such competition for talent. Yeah. So that seems to be pretty important. So I, to me, those are some principles that even somebody running a, you know, a 30 person, let alone a 30,000 person company, where maybe everybody's in the same place, uh, but the, the principle of it, of communicating every, you know, like you say, once a week, not an hour and a half, but maybe 15 minutes. Hey, how are we doing? Uh, you know, and that's a, that has to be timed appropriate to the size company and what's really going on. But right. I think that that's fascinating to me because that's like a new capability. And that's a lot different than, uh, uh, an email from the boss or the corporate newsletter. 
Oh yeah. No, which nobody reads. They'll just, you know, they'll read the first three lines and then hit delete and it'll be done. Yeah. Wow. So that's and like I said, for the really long ones, an hour and a half, you know, one of the other things we do is we have analytics around the video so we can see how many people dropped off at what time. And yeah. so that helps our customers realize like, okay, I'm giving this, I, I gave this presentation and 80% of the audience dropped off at this time. Maybe I should not do that slide or a similar slide next time. Right. So, right. Well, yeah, no, that's, that's fascinating. So just just how, how you know, connecting the world, connecting, and some of these large companies are like their own world. They're big enough. They're almost like nation states, you know, mm-hmm. in size. Um, and your technology allows that connectivity, that connection, that human, and, and ironically saying using technology to make it, the company more human. But right. that's actually what, what, you, what you focus on. Absolutely. That, that, that's fascinating. So uh, Jim, as you look out over the next uh, couple of years, I'm just curious in terms of uh, other changes and how business, you know, what do you see happening that you think everybody should have their eye on? I mean, clearly stuff is happening now internationally and, you know, economically and so on. But I'm thinking more in terms of just this, like how people are going to function. You're predicting that people will want to get back more into the office. That's one. Right. Is there anything else that stands out in your mind in terms of just how how people can be doing business uh, if we were to look into the crystal ball three years from now? Well, if you look at, you know, it's the consumer world is sometimes a leading indicator for the corporate world. Right. And if you look at how the young generation, my kids do it all the time, they're on TikTok, they're FaceTiming, they're doing all these things with video. I really think that video will become the natural way to communicate even in the enterprise, right? So I can convey to you, similar to what we were talking about, I can sit here and write an email to a customer for an hour and try to make it perfect and all that kind of stuff and make sure the grammar's right and blah, blah, blah. And if it's too long, they're not going to read it anyway, right? They're just right. move on. I can also send them a quick video snippet of what I want to say and convey exactly what I want to say, how I want to say it verbally, as opposed to written, there's no translation issues or, you know, tonal issues or anything like that. Um, it's just all basically what you want to say in front of them. So I think it'll be, the, the world will move to a lot of video, short video clips that will be a, a, a strong way of communicating. So we'll all be TikToking soon. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for that, but yeah. Uh, I know. And, you know, it's interesting because I, I think there's also, you know, again, you know, generationally, some people actually want you to take sweat over the 10 page report just because they want to know you did it. But, but, but what you said is so powerful that, you know, sometimes in a few minutes, I can actually tell you exactly what I had in mind. There's no, there's no ambiguity about it. Um, so I think that will be more and more re- well-received. I think that's a really good prediction. And I think we have to, as sellers, as professional marketers and so on, we have to think about what that means as well. So that's that's a very powerful thought. So, so Jim, thank you for joining us today, for you know really shedding some interesting light on some fast-changing things that are really exciting. Uh, really appreciate it. And, and if somebody listening wanted to learn more and say, well, that sounds interesting what these guys are up to and what Jim's up to, where should they go to learn more about you and your firm? You can go to www.vbrick.com and then just click on request a demo or contact us and we'll be my sales team. I'll make sure they will contact you right away. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic, Jim. Thanks again for joining All us. All right. Enjoy it as always. Thanks, Jose. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. 
If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.